Hey everybody, we're back. This is the second part of Terror and Tacos, the formative years. So thanks for coming back to join us. Um, cool, um, what do you got next? So my third one is, it is a classic. It is a classic, and I'm sure it's on a lot of people's lists, but it was super, super formative to me. And I am talking about 1973, The Exorcist. Oh, hell yeah. Um, and so clearly... I. You know, I did not see The Exorcist in in the theaters. I would have only been four years old, and under no circumstances would, would my that, would that mother have, have allowed that <laughs> yeah. or anything like that. Um, but you know, I saw it on cable again, like we talked about the Omen. Um, my my aunt had uh, HBO, and and we didn't have HBO for a long time. But then we finally got HBO, and I remember there was one night I was about. 13 years old, I think, and, and um, I in those days, that was old enough to leave your kid alone. Uh, sure. You know, my, yeah, my, my parents were going to my aunt's house. and Especially, you said how old? I was 13. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my parents left me alone when I was 13. Right. So yeah. I was in the house by myself, and my mother knew, like she knew that, that, <laughs> that HBO was, was running The Exorcist that month. Uh. And, and she said to me, she said, I don't want you watching that movie. Right. And I said, okay, of course, of course I won't. Of course I'm not going to watch The Exorcist. The second they, they got into the car, of course, I turned, I, I turned on the TV and I was like, I'm going to watch The Exorcist. Yeah. And, um... You know, I grew up across the street from a Catholic church, oh, so I God. was like, I'm safe um, <laughs> for some reason. I don't know. They'll I don't know. Michael, the, nun, the nuns Michael, will protect you, man. The nuns, I don't know what the fuck I was thinking, That's, you know? That makes it so much more terrifying it, to me that you're watching that across the street yeah, from a church. It, it made it way more I'm terrifying. Sure. Um, and so I ended up, you know, I ended up, by the time we got to the end of the movie... I, and I, I watched the whole thing. A lot of it hidden behind a chair or like with my face buried in a pillow or something. But by the time we got to the end of the movie, I was literally in a corner like of the room watching the movie across the room, right? But I was in a corner so that my back was, was, it was to the, to the wall. wall. Yeah. And I had furniture around me like I had an ottoman in front protected. of me I was protected wow and and then I didn't I didn't sleep for a uh, long long time uh, and um especially because going to church and yeah. and and what you know when you're younger and upon first viewing when you're really young the movie really is about this terrifying ordeal that this little girl is going through and it, it, it it's terrifying and I was not prepared for your mother sucks cocks in hell. Of course I was not. not prepared for that. A lot of people still aren't prepared for that, no. you know? And um and then as I got older I realized, you know, this movie's not is I mean that's a big thing in it, but the movie's about a crisis of faith. Yeah. Uh, that the priest is going through. Yeah, he, which is which is equally terrifying yes. in my opinion. But you know there's the one scene where things are going crazy already, like things are going nuts, and she walks into Reagan's room and the bed's jumping up off yeah. the floor. That shit holds up. Oh, like, yeah. It holds up today, and I remember watching that as a little kid, and uh, I, don't, I, I honestly don't remember how I was able to sleep. I mean, I think that's when my whole thing, I mean, like tucking everything in, like right. tucking blankets and sheets into the 
mattress so that I was completely covered. Right. You know, because that way, that way, the demon the devil wouldn't get you. Yeah, the devil get couldn't me. get to you. The blanket would protect the you. The blanket would yeah. protect me. Um, um, I mean, it's still, yeah. I saw it later. Um, I regretted it. I, I really regretted very, it. I didn't watch it again. For years. For years, yeah. And then the next time I saw it, um, I was in college. And it was when they had released... The... the, the they re-released it. Yeah. And uh, we went at midnight. Cool. To watch it. That's cool. And they, it had some of the deleted scenes that just made it even more I Yeah, terrifying. I think that that version to me is is, is the version Is now the version. That, yeah. When, yeah. Cause, and it's one of the... Um, uh, you know, I didn't put it on my list because I did see it at a, at a, a later age. Um, but it's one that I will still watch every year. Yeah. That and really, I mean, that and The Shining and maybe a couple others. But like, I'll, I'll watch The Exorcist every year. Just, yeah, I will too. It's a great movie. It's, it is a great movie, but it, it still kind of takes me right back to yeah, that, that's, to that, that that's 13 nuts. year old. It's the, it's, the, it's the one on my list where I'm like, that shit still scares me. Right. That makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I... And I think it's a testament to that to that right. movie. And just I just want to mention this: there, it's got a score like, like, like tubular. Oh, bells. tubular bells is the shit. All man. I have to hear is the first few notes yeah. of tubular bells, and I'm right back. Well, that's I, I think yeah. At some point, we had talked about maybe bringing John, Jim, and John make noise on and to talk about, about some like scores. some scores, and yeah. that would definitely be one of them. Um, well, speaking of scores, okay, and classics. My mm-hmm. next one was Halloween. Oh. Yes. Which came out in uh, 78. I obviously, I did not see it in 78. Um, I took this one off my list because I knew you were going to talk about it. So, cool. Um, yeah. It is, uh, Halloween might be at the end of the day, uh, my favorite horror movie ever made. Yeah. Um, I, I in, To me, in, as ter- in terms of like the slasher film, it is, it's perfect. Uh, I agree. Uh, uh, it is it is the perfect slasher film. I love that um, you you know almost almost nothing about Michael. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see him. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And 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 the one thing that you do know, which I like, and don't get me wrong, I would love to hang out with Rob Zombie. He seems like a fucking cool guy. Yeah. I hated that he gave. What he did with Michael's backstory and his remake of Halloween, mm-hmm. like he had a shitty stepdad and his mom and white I trash. I don't know all that. No, the one glimpse you get of Michael after he kills his sister when he's a little kid is like suburban kid, clearly well off in a in, clown. In a, in a, in a clown. That's it. In a uh, clown outfit. I don't fuck. He was born evil, yeah. basically. Yeah. Nothing about this surrounding did anything to him. Right. Parents this, clearly this care. What, this is what he was born to do. Yeah. This is a good example of like predestination. Yes. He in, was born to murder hot girls. <laughs> um, uh, I just think it's perfect. And the score is, is, is I mean, one of the best. I mean, it has to be. It has like, to be one of, one of the, the best, best in horror, horror movie was, history. Yeah. So then. We'll, that Carpenter wrote himself. Right. Um, which is which is uh, crazy. And there had been slasher movies. I mean, clearly there were slasher movies before Halloween. Yeah, I think it, lots of them. I think it sort of redefined. It redefined it the and, genre and kind of made Carpenter, at least in that era, the king of it. Yes, you know. And I think to me, like I, again, I like I I enjoy the Friday the Thirteenth movies. They're fun or whatever. But, 
But I mean, I think Halloween is is a, a actual like a really fucking good movie. Right. So you know, we've talked about this a lot. There's there's a a, a large portion of Halloween is is filmed in the daytime. Yeah. It's just like in a regular neighborhood. A lot of it is Lori. Just Jamie walking, Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis just walking to school. Yeah. Walking back from school. And it's a really lovely, typical 70s yeah. um, neighborhood. And uh, But the way he filmed it and the way he sets up shots and how quiet it is, um, is, is, is unnerving. Yeah, it's brilliant. totally. And then you have, you have Donald Pleasant's... Mm. Um, Playing Doctor Loomis, which mm-hmm. is like a nice nod to Psycho, right? Um, Sam Loomis and Psycho, but he's like this fucking Ahab figure, right? And and Michael is is his white whale and and his Moby Dick, and it, it's it's I just it, I just think it's perfect. It's the perfect to me the perfect example of that subgenre, right? Um, and the way I mean, it's a simple story. It's simple. Yeah, it's very simple. And there, it's actually not a lot. Of, like the body count is not high. No, in those terms. But the the, the way he builds tension. Yeah, and the way Michael Michael never rushes. He just is methodical. I think that and, that might be like the scariest part of Michael. Yeah, is me. that he never? It's just dun dun. I I that I love it. Um, yeah, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, I do think probably, I'm not saying it's necessarily the best horror movie ever. I do think it's one of the best, but it, I think it might be my favorite. I mean, I've, sorry, I have seen it countless yeah, times. Yeah, I've seen it so and many it, times. And, and it's like, you know, kind of made Jamie Lee Curtis, Jamie Lee Curtis, right? Exactly. And I think, you know, we were talking about Alien and Aliens earlier and how that was a define and how how Sigourney Weaver as Ripley was a defining moment for the final girl trope in horror movies and this definitely was also a defining moment Absol- in the evolution of final girls totally in, in because Lori is actually like active and smart and all of these things right, right. Um, things are not happening to her she is she's yeah, and she, it, she in a way she's driving. She's driving the thing, and mm-hmm. when when things do, she she reacts. She reacts. She doesn't just wait. Right. Um. I mean, it's such a definitive thing that I was reading an interview with the guys who are making the the new one, mm-hmm. the new Halloween. I'm excited. About me too. It. And Jamie Lee's coming back. Jamie Lee, like we're buddies. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is coming back. <laughs> um. And they said, you know, it's Danny McBride and then David Gordon Green, who is from Richardson. Right. By the way. Oh yeah, um, that's right. They were like, at the end of the day, we just had to eliminate everything after part right. one. And so they're literally, you like, know, Jamie like Lee's come re- back it's before. It's like a re Yeah. Because yeah. she's come back before. And then yeah. I love four and five. Those I do are, too. But they're like, the only way to really deal with this series is is it ended after one. And now we're back now we're 40 back. years later or right. whatever. Um, so yeah, Halloween is awesome. And you should check it out if you've yeah, never if you've seen never it. Seen it I, got, I mean, what are you doing with your life? Yeah, this is just, Halloween is just, is not just a great horror movie. It is a great American movie. Yeah, and if you are if you are a a, 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 a fan of movies in general, you really should yeah. should watch it. And it is it is genre defining. It is. I like there that yeah absolutely. Um, that was your third one. Ye- f- fourth. Fourth. Are we on fourth hour? Four hour? Wait, yeah, I yeah. guess. So, okay, so my fourth one uh-huh. is a movie um, called 
curtains. Man, this is um, this is a deep cut. Yeah, it is a deep and cut. And I love it. That's I don't, fantastic. I, I don't know if, if a lot of people even know, know that curtains exist. That curtains exist. But it's, it is, um, yeah, man, it's 1983. And um, it's a, you know, a, a group of women uh who gather for the weekend uh and it's a casting call for a movie called audra and it's uh all the like a comedian and an actress and an older actress and so so there's this director named jonathan striker yeah great and name. He's, yeah he's making a movie called audra and apparently this movie is about a psychotic woman named Adra. And uh, Samantha Egger, who's like, come on now, she's like a legit actress, mm-hmm. is in this movie. And she's an a- she's like a method actress. If anything, this is a great a great examination in why method acting is terrible <laughs> and dangerous. <laughs> Samantha Egger wants the part of Adra and she, she, she commits herself to an asylum. And uh, and right. and then hilarity ensues. Right. Uh, so all these. So the director says, "You're actually crazy now, and I can't. I can't cast right. you in this movie." Right. So he gets all these other, like five other actresses together, and a weekend casting session. Yeah, it's a little iffy. Yeah, it's a little iffy, and uh, they're all gonna vie for the part of Audra, and. Um, it actually does have a very surprising ending. Yeah. Um, but and it has some of the scariest images I've 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 ever seen. Uh, I don't I can't remember. It's it's eighty three, so I must have seen it. I uh, I was fourteen. I cool. must have seen it when That's I was fourteen. Great yeah. age. Yeah, and um, as far as horror, especially because like there's there's one dude in it. Mm-hmm. And all, all ladies, and all ladies, and I mean, we should say too, if you want to talk about formative, um, you and I are working on a horror movie together, yeah, yeah. Um, and like we specifically wanted to deal, we deal with theater in, in the way that they're dealing with film, but like there, there are some curtain elements to oh, to our, our movie. Absolutely, this movie has stayed with me since I've seen it. There's a great scene where one of the women. Who is who wants to be in the movie is actually an ice skater, right? You know, so there's an athlete and there's a comedian and there's a dancer and there's this ice skater who's a celebrity and wants to break into films, and so she's like, I'm gonna and and it's important to say it's during the winter, right? Right. So they have to go out into this, you know, country home again, again. going out to the country, yeah. and she decides she's gonna get up early in the morning and she's gonna go ice skate. She there's a frozen pond, and. Uh, you know, she puts on her skates and she's like skating to this like really kind of like smooth listening, uh, jazzy type thing. And then the music cuts off. And uh, so the whole conceit is is we see the, the killer wears this, um, a mask of an old lady with like scraggly red hair. Yeah. And um, the, the, she, she, the music cuts off and she turns to look. And in the distance, it's a long shot of... The killer wearing this old lady mask and ice skates with like a a, a scythe, yeah, or, you know, and she just in slow motion starts like skating towards, yeah, her. it's totally and insane. It, it is insane and terrifying, <clears throat> and just comes at her and like just takes the scythe out from behind her back, and 
man, the way the way the ice skater gets it. And it's such a bizarre, it's a bizarre moment. Bizarre moment. Because you think it. I know it sounds it's ridiculous. It's the middle of the day. And you think it's it sounds comical. It's, it's not. not. It's creepy as shit. It's creepy as shit. It's also one of the first slasher movies uh, that had a, 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 a female killer. Oh, right. I didn't even think yeah. about that. Yeah. yeah. So like all these slasher movies, you know, and, and, and this is one of the ones where, where uh, yeah, and I, I'm not spoiling anything because it's all women in the, in the movie. Yeah. So you know one of them has to be doing it. Right. And I, I also it came I, out in, yeah, 80, in like eighty three, so. and I I thought that was really um, no, that's a huge thing, interesting and yeah. different because up to then, like all of the villains had in slasher movies anyway are men for the most part, for the are, most are men. part. yeah, sure. Of and course. Uh, this was the first one for me that was super super terrifying and and was, and, a, female and was a female villain. Um, there are some questionable moments in 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 the in the movie. The, the there are a few scenes that. Are a little rapey, yeah. Uh, but man, also, the eighties. But, but to their credit, the movie recognizes them as rapey. Well, that's yeah, and the movie, you know, is kind of also making a comment on what it is to be a woman in the film, the film industry, industry and some of the things that sometimes are expected of you. you yeah, and so in that in that sense, it's kind of kind ahead of ahead of its time. time. Yeah, yeah. Because even like I said, that's some of the stuff we're trying to deal with, and, right? And also, there, one of the other elements in this movie that you know keeps coming back up when we watch scary movies together is there's a creepy doll in it. Oh man, we got to show it to your husband. Yeah, there's a fucking creepy doll <laughs> in it, and he fucking hates this creepy doll with with his entire with the heat of ten thousand suns. suns. He I love that John doll. hates dolls. Yeah, he hates um, dolls. So yeah, that's curtains, and it's nineteen eighty three. Yeah, Samantha Egger, Linda Thorson. John Vernon is yeah in it. definitely worth I think it's a kind of a deep cut unless if you're you're way into it uh, to the slasher films but it's 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 I feel like it's definitely worth watching yeah formative um, cool so my fifth one uh, and is um, a, a classic and and I know we will have a discussion because we saw this at, at very at different ages uh-huh. um, for me is a nightmare on Elm Street oh yeah. Uh, came out in '84. I did not see it in the theater. I saw it a couple years later. Um, so I was like 10 or 11, and it is one of those movies <clears throat> um, that look. I love nothing more than laying on my couch, lying on my couch, <laughs> and like flipping through Netflix and Amazon and Hulu and all that shit, and being like, "Oh, that's a movie. I'll watch this." But thinking about Elm Street reminds me of how I. How I I I miss, I miss the video store. Um, it was you know that's true. Yeah, it was a movie for me. I saw it. It was you know like my friend's birthday, tenth probably eleventh birthday party, mm-hmm. um, sleepover type thing. Right. We went to Blockbuster or there were a bunch actually right. back in the day. Right. A premiere. Um, premiere or um, you know, and, and then we even had like. Other sort of random ones, right? Gyms, you know, yeah. Gyms are just kind of like at the convenience store, store. yeah. And like, you know, I miss going in there and like sort of fanning out and seeing what was new and then uh-huh. what they had and like shit you'd never seen before and had that like weird video store smell. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I remember <laughs> we we rented Elm Street for this birthday party. Uh, oh, we rented it for this birthday party. Um, to me now, and you can probably talk a little bit about this, uh, 
it is, you know, I think one of the most brilliant horror movies ever made. At the time, all I knew, I think I've told you this, is it scared the shit out of me mm-hmm. and it made me want to have a cool girlfriend yes. at some point. Like when I got <laughs> old, like when I got a little older, I was like, I would like to have a cool girlfriend yeah. like that. Um, Here's an, there's another <clears throat> movie that, that was, a, an, again, another step in the evolution yes, of the female Yes, Nancy trope. is just, mm-hmm. uh, is, is one of the most important and... Um, yeah, I mean, there are still scenes to this day <clears throat> that jump out at me. Even rewatching it as an adult is is the 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 upside down room um, when Tina gets dragged up the right, wall onto the right. ceiling. And I've watched plenty, like a ton of behind the scenes and documentaries about the entire Elm Street series because uh, it's one of my favorites. So I know exactly how Craven. Like executed that, right? It's still fucking astonishing to see. Yeah. It's still, and at the time was just like. What the fuck? Also, practical effects. Yes, yeah. Turn Crazy. the damn room over. Turn the damn room <clears throat> over. There's another one where the the the, the wall comes the, in. The, yeah, the, the wall effect. And that's just, that's fabric. That yeah. wall is made of fabric. And they just did and it. They just did it. Um, and and the, it's still effective. The body bag when she's in the body bag mm-hmm. walking down the hall. Mm-hmm. Uh, also going back, um, you know, Freddie has become over the decades this sort of pop culture thing i mean um in the first one he has elements of of the freddy that we now sort of know as this thing he's much scarier he's much scarier (laughs) he didn't he didn't evolve like he didn't become like the the funny quip you know one-liner freddy until until much later later yeah Uh, in the first one there's just like a little hint of that but he's scary as fuck and they actually call him fred Krueger most of the time yeah um. Yeah, I, I I absolutely love it. We had said like you and I are close close in age. Now our age difference is negligible, but when we were kids, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. So you were old enough towards you said to when you saw Nightmare to actually sort of <clears throat> appreciate what was being done filmically. Yeah, what was what was happening? You know, yeah. as 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 Wes Craven as a filmmaker. Now I I saw it. Uh, it came to my attention because my sister saw it. My sister went with her boyfriend, who is now her husband. Nice. Um, yeah, they would he they would go see horror movies all the time. And uh, smart guy. Yeah. And uh, it was one of the f- one of their first dates. Cool. And um, she came home and she was like, "This is nuts. You have to go see it." And this is my sister who didn't like horror movies or wasn't like. Very good at discerning what a good horror movie was. So for a long time, I was like, meh, whatever. Like, by the time I was a teenager, I was like, I know what a good horror movie is. And so my sister saying this is a good horror movie was like, no. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But then I started to read a whole bunch about it. And and so I I went to go see it. And yeah, this was legit. Like, this is when... There's there's a lot of it that... um, was lit differently than movies prior, prior to, to it. it. Um, the whole notion of of dreams as as the like whereas before your sleep was a place to be safe. Yeah, that's it, that it was no longer safe to uh, even that, go I mean that's sleep. the most horrifying thing about the, the Right. The, and that and that fi- that final shot where, you know, through the little window in the yeah. door is is nuts, you know, yeah. and and, uh, 
And of course, it it, it introduced me to uh, one young Johnny Depp. Yeah, it is why I'm mean, not. It is it introduced I think the world really to a young Johnny Depp. Yeah, and uh, it was different. It was it was definitely I was able to recognize. Oh, we are on a whole oh. other level of horror movie making yeah now um, uh, because I, I think because if you go back to halloween <clears throat> to me that's like still very practical and still very yeah just it boom, happens boom, in boom, life boom, right boom. yeah and this was now like blurring boundaries of dimensions, dimensions. yeah and and what is real what is real what is dream what is dream yeah is um, there a it was great the way you know the way johnny depp was cast in this movie it was between him and like some other guy and he was a complete unknown and yeah. Wes craven couldn't decide and he was at his house and this is the story i've read i've read it several times so this, i tend to yeah. be so he called in his teenage daughter uh-huh. who was like 15 and her little friends and she showed them two headshots yeah. And she said, which one? And they all went nuts for over Johnny, Johnny Depp. Depp's headshot. And so if it weren't for Wes Craven's teenage daughter and her little friends... We might not have we Johnny might Depp. We might not have Johnny yeah, Depp. Yeah, I've heard Craven tell that story. Mm-hmm. Um, he also uh, you know, tells stories about how sweet Johnny Depp was even after he became Johnny Depp. Mm-hmm. That he was always very uh, kind about you know, Nightmare on Elm Street and Wes Craven giving him his first shot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you were talking about formative, like, it changed my life as a kid, terrified me about sleep and all those things, and then decades later, uh, this is the first movie my wife and I watched together. Wow! Like, the first night we sort of, yeah, the first time we, like, sort of hung out, uh-huh. uh, we, it was over Christmas, uh, and we were just hanging out and we watched Nightmare on Elm Street, so, uh, like, it has a huge part. I, I still... His Craven, I still am not. I haven't fully dealt with like him yeah. him being gone. Yeah, sort of in the Prince Bowie vein. Right. I just um, like it's really sad, it's and super I will sad. go back and watch interviews with him because I, I a movie I didn't include because I was in my twenties and it's a different thing. I, I Scream to me is also one of the most important. Oh, absolutely! Uh, horror movies in my yeah. life, and I, and maybe in writing the thing you and I are working on. The most important. The most important. Right. Um, the, you know, and, and <clears throat> I didn't... Some, a movie that we both had on our list and then we decided not to include because it really is kind of like in its own category is Dario Argento's Suspiria. Suspiria. Yeah. Um, which we'll talk about at a later date yes. for sure because there's a reboot coming out um, that I'm interested in, in watching. I am as well. But Elm Street, you know, after I watched Nightmare and then... Later in my 20s, when I was exposed more to Argento, I realized, oh, so a lot of the stuff that we're watching in America has been directly influenced by, by what happened in Europe, by what was happening in Europe at yeah. the time. And Argento is definitely, to me, one of those people that that influenced Craven, Craven. in yeah. a way. Um, yeah, he was one of the big ones, one of the great ones. And, and it, yeah, it's, it's sad to me that he's... Not around. Um, yeah, so one of the movies that was originally on both our lists, and then we decided, we both decided to remove it because it's kind of its own category, is uh, Suspiria. Yes. Uh, Dario Argento. And uh, what I was saying is that um, I, I came across Argento and I was introduced to Argento later 
than than my teenage years. I, I must have been in my twenties. You know, going to the video store like you mentioned, yeah. and by this time I was in college, and and uh, it wasn't Suspiria wasn't the first one I saw. I think it was Deep Red or something oh, wow, like nice. that, uh, which I also love. Yeah, me too. Um, but um, I, I like looking back. I thought, oh. This is a dude who is influencing American right. filmmakers, and so then it made me want to go back and watch Nightmare again to see, like, oh, these like the connections, the, the, the connections, you yeah. Know? And, and I'm talking mostly in the way Nightmare was lit and the way it was shot. And I'm not saying that Craven like stole from Argento no. or anything like that, but there's a very distinctive way that. Argento lights and shoots his films, yeah. and um, a, a lot of the, a lot of movies after him that are horror movies have just been influenced because they've been influenced yeah. by him. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was a uh, it made me go back and want to watch Nightmare on Elm Street all over again because it's so stylized. Yeah, it's so great. Uh, yeah, you know? I yeah, I mean, I absolutely. It's just it's just one. Of, that's one of my favorites. Yeah. And again. I know this will be its its own episode at some point. I I, I the and I why the remake I don't I don't know I don't why know. like I don't know why I don't know we're gonna have we are going to have to have a whole show yeah. on remakes yeah and I mean we've already said like I'm I'm intrigued by this excited about this Suspiria remake we'll see but right. like. Uh, some of these, I'm like, I don't, I just, I don't get it. But right. yeah, that'll be its own, that'll be right. its own thing. Um, so what is your, what is your number, your my, five? My, my number five. My final one is uh, 1981's An American Werewolf in London. That's one of my favorite movies. Um, this was directed by John Landis. Um, and I did see it in the theater. Um, and I must have been, I don't know, because I didn't see it right when it came out, but... You know, we had, in Laredo, we had, like, the UA Cinema at the mall and all that stuff. But then we also had those, like, little kind of, like, movie theaters that are, like, freestanding. Yeah, yeah. We had the Plaza and the Aztec and whatever. And I saw this at the Plaza Theater, and it must have been, like, months and months and months and months after it was released. Because I know that everybody had seen it before I saw it. Um, And this made such a huge impression on me for so many reasons it first it was of course two really cute boys (laughs) two cute american boys like the ideal american boys on a trip in to europe yeah right and david naughton was just so cute and griffin dunn also same thing and um and right off the bat the horror happens but it's, it's it's also the movie where i learned that a horror movie can also be super funny. Yes. You know, that that uh, those two things are not mutually exclusive. And it, it's so clever and it's so witty. And again, the, the makeup effects are just incredible. Yeah. Like, I was just watching this the other day. And all of those scenes where Griffin Dunn comes back and he had, you know, yeah. he's, he's already eaten. Yeah. So I'll, what it is, is if you haven't seen it and you haven't seen it, that's crazy. But he, <laughs> these two young students Americans who are in traveling through England through Europe on summer break or whatever yeah. uh, or some kind of break 
and they're, they come to this little town in the north of England, and everybody keeps telling them, stay off the moors, stay off the moors, keep close to the road. And they come into this pub called the Slaughtered Lamb. Yeah. And one of them, Griffin Dunn, would rather be in, you know, having a fun time on the beach. And David Naughton's like, no, this is great, it's freezing, and all this stuff. And they get thrown out of the pub because they're asking too many questions. Right. And nobody, there's a there's a pen, pentagram or a pen, whatever, yeah. on the wall. And they're just fucking around like teeno- like teenagers do, right? Yeah. And they realize it's in the middle of the night, there's a full moon, and they're on the moors. They, right. They've gotten they've off, gotten off the, road. the road. And then they start hearing this horrible noise, and they don't know what it is, and they start freaking out. And, of course, a wolf comes out of the darkness. Yeah. And, and the way that is shot is such a simply shot scene, but it's terrifying. Yeah, um, it's It's great. just them in a field surrounded by darkness, and it's still terrifying. Yeah. And so then, of course, David Naughton, um, Griffin Dunn doesn't survive. David Naughton gets bit by the wolf and ends up in a hospital in London where he meets the beautiful Jenny Agutter. Yes. And... Um, you know that the the movie progresses from there. It's also a very simple story, very short, nothing to it, and it's it's basically him coming to terms with the fact that he is a wolf. Yeah, that he might turn into a wolf at the next full moon. Right, and he's going to kill people, and he has to die. Yes, you know, and and also it was it was I think the first movie for me where that happened where. The cute guy who's the hero is also the villain. Is also the villain, yeah. And has to die, die. at the end. And it has that bizarre, I mean, the end is... is Such a bizarre ending. And it's so just kind of like, all right, lights out. <clears throat> yep. And we're done. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, I, which is pretty brilliant. I, I mean, I, I, I love it. I think um, I came to it later. Uh, I Werewolf movies to me are... are I, you know, we've talked about this and, mm-hmm. and I've written papers about it for school. Uh, like, I think werewolf movies are almost the best way to track cultural evolution in horror. Yeah. Because um, it's such a clear the other and the beast and all that. Right. And this is one of my favorites. And yeah, like you, it was like, oh, it, it, can't, it can be a comedy as well. A really smart one. A really one. smart one. Yeah. Um, Not in it's 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 yeah, it's smart. Like it's cleverly written. Yeah. It's it, it doesn't uh it doesn't uh the, the comedy doesn't rely on like low brow cheap humor, cheap yeah. humor no, it's, it's, of teenagers fucking. Yeah. That's it's, no, it's serious shit. Yeah. And it somehow manages to do both of those right things. Um the the, the other thing that's really beautiful that contributes to all of that is the, the score. Yeah, John Landis uses all of these great uh, rock songs throughout history that all have to do with the moon. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, and Landis is sort of that like weird in middle ground. Middle ground. Yeah. Um, I mean, he even he. I've seen him, and he's a huge fan of those that came before. He's interviewed a lot in um, that uh, the American Nightmare documentary. To talk about the guys that they're actually focusing on, right? And Landis is is a, a horror aficionado. He talks about the old Universal horror movies. Mm-hmm. He talks about the sort of guys that came right before him in the '60s and '70s, right? The the Cravens and Carpenters and Romero's. Right. So he is he. Know, I mean, he just knows the genre so, so well, well. Um, and and I mean, I think executes it 
has kind really of like effectively. has kind of like he's he did not, the thriller video, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. So there you go. And you know, he <clears throat> also did another movie called The Bird. No, Joe Dante did The Birds, yeah. I think. But it's that kind of same vein, but yeah, he's so well versed in 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 the masters that came before him and he's kind of just absorbed all of that and it it has come out in his own interpretation yeah. Yeah. of it. Uh, again, saturate lots of saturated colors in yeah. his movies. Um, really well lit scenes, uh, a lot of humor, and it is still horrifying to this day. There's a scene in the movie where David Naughton is in the hospital and he's beginning to have nightmares. Yeah, you know, and he doesn't quite understand why. But one of the nightmares is that he's at home. He's back home with his family in the states, and he's doing his homework, and his family's just enjoying a family night. And there's a knock at the door, and these like monster Nazis yeah. come into the room. It's the most surreal. It is so surreal, and kill everybody, and shoot every- and set the house on fire, and it it almost comes out of no, nowhere, yeah. and it's terrifying. It, it yeah. works. Yeah, it, and it and is like just a what is just like a weird surreal absurdist moment that is still really scary but also kind of funny yeah and then also fucked up because it has like this nazi connotation it's so strange yeah it's it's also the best use of i think of that song moon dance yes that i've ever heard yeah and that's even another thing you talk about talk about formative like one of the first movies that show like the counterpoint of music versus what's happening visually right is that you could have a song like moon dance while this madness is happening right which is something that i mean i think we both have come back to a right. lot in stuff that we've done that yeah that we've done on stage or whatever um, um it's I, great it's such a great film and and the transformation his you said it held up right man it holds yeah up. i watched like, it there's, not there's, long ago. there's one you know you we only see him fully transform in the movie once um it holds up yeah you know it it <clears throat> i mean you can tell it's animatronics, and, sure. and, but but it's still beautiful and it still looks painful, painful and it looks like it would look, you know, in other wolf movies or like earlier wolf movies, um, there's a shot of the guy and then they cut away and then they cut back and suddenly he has more hair on his face right. or whatever. In this movie, you see him transform. Yeah into the wolf and, and it's part of why michael jackson wanted him to, to do, do thriller. thriller right um it's beautiful it's a beautiful sequence and everybody in it is is so wonderful and uh yeah it's it's funny like all, there's also like a, a whole sequence in the movie like a long sequence in the movie that takes place in a porn theater yeah that you don't see <laughs> any porn so but it's so weird yeah. and crazy and and again it's this juxtaposition of this madness plus these old kind of like 50s songs about the moon right next to porn, porn. yeah that, and you don't ever get to see porn so don't worry about worry that about if it. you're against porn um, um yeah it's it's it is again i think um it, you it know, redefine for- it plays with the the werewolf sort of genre it kind of redefines it it's it's to me it's such a unique it movie. really is, and um, for, it, for for me, it was it was the beginning for me as a young teenage girl. It, apart from Dracula, it 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 was the beginning for me of rooting for the villain. Yeah, that's of cool. Root, of rooting for the monster because you know it's not his fault. Right. He's 
he didn't ask, he didn't to, ask to, to be, be this turned thing. into a wolf and he's so cute. <laughs> Why yeah. does he have to die? Right. You know, it's a great film. You you should go yeah, watch it's it. American Werewolf in London. American Werewolf in London, 1981. Really great. Really, really great. Um, yeah. So that's the end of the list? That's the end of our list. We will... We went a little bit longer this time, but yeah, that's, you we'll, know... We'll see. Maybe we'll it'll see. be split up into two. Right. Uh, we'll, I'll also, we'll, I will post these lists on both of our lists on the website. You can check them out. Let us know your lists on our Facebook page, Terror and Tacos. Twitter, at Terror and Tacos. We have an Instagram now. We have an Instagram. We have a Facebook page. Tell us what we should be watching. Or what your... And yes, and what your formative uh, horror movies were. Also, want to just say we are very excited that next week we will be joined by Pinhead himself, Paul, Paul Taylor. Taylor. Uh, we are super thrilled that Paul Taylor, um, who, who, I mean, man, the man played Pinhead. I can't he even remember. Pinhead. Can't I don't even know. And we know him. And we know him. We know uh, Pinhead, y'all. Yeah, he's going to be on the show with us and he's going to be eating tacos and talking about what it was like to play one of the most iconic, iconic yeah. characters in American horror, horror. movies. Um, yeah, that's so, it. Tune in next week. Thank you so much. We'll be talking to you. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.